0: Welcome to another episode of Talk Gopher Buckets. I'm Luke Buer,
1: And this is Ryan James of Gopher Illustrated and Prep Hoops.
0: Yeah, Prep Hoops, man. We got to talk about this. This is like the, our, our first podcast in a while, but Prep Hoops um, now is your full-time gig. Congratulations.
1: I appreciate that, Luke. It's mighty nice of you to say that. Yeah. Yes.
0: So, okay, so take us through. I mean, you and I, I kind of connected in probably like 2011, and very shortly thereafter, um, you you guys started Prep Hoops. And now, I mean, you've been writing for years and years and years, but now it's your full-time gig. You're no longer teaching.
1: Yes. Uh, Prep Hoops has been growing and growing and growing and growing over the years. But, like, you know, it's a young company, you know, and to bring myself on board in the full-time way, you know, you have to give me the salary I had plus the teaching salary insurance. You know, so... It ha- you know, it just had to work out great, and, right. and it, it, we were finally able to match it up with with everything in terms of position and writing still and national analyst and what areas I was covering. And what I, you know, it just, it just finally matched up, and as much as I enjoyed teaching all these years, I definitely enjoy
0: not teaching (laughs) yeah well i mean i mean like simply it allows you to probably do more for like your go for illustrated readers and your prep hoops readers right so what what is this going to bring to those readers by you being able to work for prep hoops full-time instead of having to keep uh keep whatever the nine to five of a teaching day the beauty of
1: the beauty of uh the beauty, uh, I'll tell you what's not. It's like I'm at home, so therefore my daughters just walk right in during the podcast and make all the noise. So, <laughs> sorry about that. No, you're good. But you know that's that's the that's the one downfall. Um, but with the positives and everything, oh, it's nice to see them all day long when mm-hmm. they come home. Um, but uh, the positives are when there's a press conference, I can go to it during the day. Assuming I don't have a meeting, the positives are I can go to a Big Ten tournament for the first time since I was a manager. Um, The positives are going to some road games. And that's, you know, that's what I've been longing for for a long time. You know, just to have an open schedule to a varying degree. I mean, obviously, full-time prep who's employee, you have to be, we have meetings and we have things we need to do that do have a schedule. But it's not like a teaching schedule where if you walk in the door at 731, eyes come your way.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. if there's
1: 48 minutes down in a period of a 52-period per- minute a day and the kids aren't doing something, eyes come your way. You know, it's stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Okay, got it. No, that, that's awesome. And obviously, this is going to be good for your gopher illustrator and readers. You already churn out an incredible amount of content there as well as prep hoops. So, I'm just I'm fascinated to see how much more content you may actually be able to produce. Maybe it'll just be more quality, Ryan. Will it just be more quality? <laughs>
1: In all honesty, I think it just opens the door for me just to be able to do more. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that, you know, I don't know there'll be too much more content yeah. in areas that do have responsibilities. Unless, you know, we, between Ryan Burns' podcast and his <laughs> wedding and his nicknames and his hunting, he <laughs> gives me, a, you know, he he breaks me off some of that football money, which yeah. I'm guessing he probably won't be doing. <laughs>
0: All right. All right. So obviously some change in your personal life um, and we're getting back into the podcast because 2021-2022 men's basketball season is approaching. Um, But there's equally as much change, if not more change on the roster for Gopher basketball. New head coach, Ben Johnson, uh, 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 many, many things have changed. So maybe for this kind of season preview as we're starting to get into it now that official practices are underway, um, we're probably going to have to go almost like player by player that are that are on the roster. Maybe even assistant coach by assistant coach, like there's so much to change, Ryan.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of change. Um, no, there's not many, not much, there's not much other way to say it, but the one positive that if, if you're going to make drastic changes, you want to do it with veterans. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously there are some veterans they would rather have, but when you have as many veterans as they do, it does make the job a, a little bit simpler, a little bit, I don't want to say easier because this is not going to be an easy job, no, but it does make things a little simpler when everyone's better, because these guys know they, they, everybody has to buy in.
0: Mm-hmm. These
1: guys know everybody has to defend, they have to know that they know the ball has to move and everything has to be about execution. If somebody steps out of line and does tries to make, do individual things in this team, is not going to work. It's just not going to cut it. Whereas, you'll see some other teams out there that that are <clears throat> young in the in the, in the the Big Ten that may have a few more players that are ranked higher that may have a little bit bigger of a resume, but they're also not the veteran team. So you would think that the Gophers will have that going for them assuming they felt healthy because Luke, they cannot afford another injury. Now, I know this is Typical Minnesota, where you start a new team and both your starting power forward candidates are already out with torn ACLs. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's actually just try and look at and like prognosticate. Um, you know, what? what is going to be the starting lineup? Maybe. I don't know that we have any real solid guesses, but maybe we should get to injuries. Obviously, Parker Fox went down with an ACL. He's the transfer from Northern State. Um, he, he's a Minnesota Fury, if I remember correctly, out of Um comes in 6'8", 210. Real athletic, right? Uh, but he, he went down with an injury uh, in the preseason, um, and he won't probably get to play, but maybe he will. I mean, maybe there's an outside chance, but probably not likely with a torn ACL.
1: I would I expect him to play. Assuming the recovery goes well, I would expect that we see him towards the end of the year. And Luke, I do have to make one quick, quick correction on that. Oh, no. Parker and Sean Sutherland played for the Minnesota Heat.
0: Oh, the uh, it.
1: Luke, the Minnesota Heat has 50 some teams a year. That is a lot of alumni that are flying at you in anger. Yeah, so we got to we got to make sure it's Minnesota I got to change
0: Heat. my best.
1: Um Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a that's a TJ flexing. Yeah. That's that's sloganeering.
0: They're right Luke. there. Got to got to watch it. Are you, it's not are culture. You yeah, I'm sloganeering. It you know, it's all about our culture on taco for buckets. So
1: Hey, I don't miss a go for gridiron radio. I know you do. Like, I, I've heard everything. I've heard, I've heard Luke smashing those opinions out. I've heard <laughs> Burns cutting on your opinions. You know,
0: right, right. Uh, okay, so obviously my my mistake. Um, not the fury, but the heat. Terrible. Um, yes. Both both Sean Sutherland I know it's and, all good. Yeah. Thank thanks for the thanks for I the. I got fix. a little.
1: Yeah, I got a little sidetracked there. I should probably say. Parker Fox was injured in mid-April, um, and he is ahead of schedule in his rehab. Like you know, if you sneak a peek at some of those gopher social media things when they have the videos out there, you'll see a Parker Fox, you know, in a shooting drill or yeah, uh, yeah. you know jogging or whatever whatever they do during a practice, you'll see him here and there, here and there doing that stuff. Word is he's ahead of schedule. Everything will come down. I got this from a pretty good source here. Everything will come down to how quickly his comfort and his confidence comes back once the leg is as strong as it needs to be, and that is different for every athlete. But like you know, they say six to nine months, and you know, on the healing, and it comes with the confidence. So if you say the nine months, well, let's do math. Yeah. If he was if he was if he was hurting mid-April, well, you take that minus nine. If you tell you you're plus nine. And you get to him in January. So I think we might see some minutes on him. It just depends on his confidence and comfort level in that leg.
0: Sure. Okay. So then let's talk about Isaiah Enan. Also, uh, also a knee injury, Um, you know, he was basically the lone carryover well i guess eric curry as well but eric curry at one point uh hung up the hung up the shoes and then came back which we'll get to later um but isaiah enan was really the lone carryover from this previous roster um and he will be out for the season um with a with a i believe another torn acl right yes
1: another torn acl and that was that was a mid-June injury, so you won't see him. Although I was told that he's making a pretty solid recovery already. Already, so it's ahead of schedule. So come this time next year, Isaiah will be, you know, have a couple more years, and he should be good to go.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's let's try and take a stab at what we think that starting lineup will be Um, my assumption. And I think everybody's assumption is uh, the go to guy is probably going to be Peyton Willis at your lead guard. Um, You know, he he transfers from College of Charleston. Um, Well, we probably should go all the way back. Right. First, he went to Vanderbilt. Then he came to Minnesota. Then he went to College of Charleston. Now he's back at Minnesota um, and he'll probably be that lead guard for Ben Johnson's squad.
1: Yeah, he's the lead guard. I wouldn't say he'll be the go-to guy, but I'll think he'd be one of the two, three go-to guys. Mm -hmm. Um, The funny thing about this is like, they were talking about this is not – I didn't research and do this myself. I I thought uh, Peyton and Ben Johnson had been connecting on a recruitment three times, but technically it was four different times because Peyton and Eric Curry played together for the Arkansas Wings So Ben recruited uh, Peyton out of high school. And then he recruited him from Vanderbilt. And then when he was transferring, Ben Johnson tried to recruit him to Xavier. And then he he recruited him again when he became the Gopher head coach. So four different times he recruited Peyton Willis. Peyton Willis, I guess, I guess I I feel like people are kind of underestimating this. This is a six-year player who was a, was the third-slash-fourth-best player for the Gophers two years ago. He shot a good percentage from the arc when he was here. He shot a great percentage from the arc last year. He played point guard for Vanderbilt for two years, so he's played that position before, and he's an excellent passer and an excellent position defender. He was a really good defender here until he had the ankle injury that completely messed up pretty much everything he was as a Gopher. Then he left. Um, So I'm... I love Peyton Willis for this team.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I think the transfer back made a ton of sense. It's a it's a good fit for them. They need they need some experience in at that guard position, and he'll be able to provide that. Um, I'm curious here, who your thought is is going to be the, the next guard starting next to him. Um, I have my guess, but I'm I'm curious to get yours.
1: I'll 100% go with Luke Lowy. I think he is probably the third most likely guy to start um and the biggest reason there is this is an outstanding worker and an all defensive honor player several times over
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so i, I would agree again luke luke lowey um he's from wisconsin and if i remember correctly he's like by way of a school out east right i'm trying to remember who it was i'll try and look it up quick um but from william and mary right um and you're right yep. he he's he's uh you know, he's a scrappy guy, 6'4", uh, so he's got a little size to him um, and obviously should be able to defend. I haven't watched him a ton other than when he first transferred. I think I watched one or two of the William and Mary games. Um, looks like to be a real competent shooter and, and, and good at um, you know taking good shots and will move the ball um, within the offense, which is really encouraging given what we've seen in the recent history um, with, with the guard position being real ball dominant at, at Minnesota.
1: That's, that's what Luke will do. Luke is actually better with a dribble when I review the tapes than I expected. Defensively, he's what you need. Um, two years ago, he shot 43% at the arc. Last year, he was a bit more of a go-to guy. And in the limited games they played, his uh, percentage numbers weren't what he would want them to be. But, you know, the hope is that he shot, so, shoots the same way he did two years ago. also remember that Jason Kemp, you know he
2: mm-hmm.
1: was an assistant at William and Mary, so he has been he has been coaching Luke Lowy for a while, just like Ben Johnson has coached um, Peyton Willis for two years mm-hmm. at the University of Minnesota. Jason Kemp has coached Luke Lowy the entire time that they were there together at William and Mary.
0: Yeah, all right, uh, you, you stole my guess because I thought you were either gonna you were probably gonna go with uh, Sean Sutherland, but I was gonna guess Luke Lowy as well. So you stole my thunder. Um, but let's let's maybe predict who's going to start uh, at forward. I think the lock, probably the biggest lock to start would be Jamison Battle. Would be my guess. Um, you know, the six seven forward transfer from George Washington by way of DSL High School, where he played, uh, where he played for Dave Thorson. So, um, what what do you expect out of Jamison Battle, or am I totally off on this prognostication? Uh, Jamison Battle
1: certainly starting. It's just I'm not totally sure if they will start the game with him as their three and they go big, sure. or with him as the four, with EJ Stevens or maybe a worker as the other four. You know, because EJ Stevens has spent his most of his career coming off the bench and being a scorer in that in that six man role. Mm-hmm. Like we like think of him as Lou Williams to a degree. Yeah, you know, like sweet Lou for what Houston had been with the Clippers. That's kind of like the role he played in terms of like, come on, I'm, I'm all maybe coming off the bench and scoring. So because of that, it's kind of hard to pick the lineup because you don't know what's they're gonna how they're gonna use Stevens. You just know he's gonna play. Mm-hmm. But when it comes back to the Jamison battle, like this is, he's got the guy that's shooting touch they need. You know, you're talking about an all A10 player from last year who averaged between 17 and 18 a game, but a guy who isn't just a catch and shoot guy. A guy who has good back-to-the-basket moves, a guy that is so intelligent using screens and so intelligent in creating space with ball fakes, um, with with uh, with quick jab steps, with a quick separation. Like, all those things are part of his game. There's a reason that everybody talks about Like George Washington was getting a new coach and Jamison Battle as a senior at De La Salle. There was a reason rumors were floating around that maybe he might check out the high major level. But, you know, Jameson's a loyal kid, and he's, he decided to stay a George Washington uh, commitment. But, like, this is a kid who can score. And if you can score in the eight, if you can score 17 or 18 a game as an underclassman in the eight, ten, which is a top eight, top seven, top eight, at least top nine league in America out of the 38 leagues that there are, like, you can come to the universe in Minnesota and be a very good player as an upperclassman, which he won't even be. He'll be a sophomore again. Mm-hmm. but it'll be a third year.
0: Right, right, right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think he's going to be one of your primary go-to scorers, like like you've kind of alluded to here. Um, between him, uh, Peyton Willis, um, those, those two to me seem like the two that you, you kind of look at but they're this team also is going to move the ball um, m- you know m- move a little bit more as well physically not just moving the ball but actually move positionally um, than what we've seen in the recent past so uh, let's so you've kind of already insinuated where they may go small they may they may go big with a worker if they do go big with the worker who do you think that's going to be at the power forward spot
1: well, if they go big, I would I would guess. If they go big with Jamison, I'm guessing that then they would put Trayton Thompson and Eric Curry up front. Mm-hmm. That's But I don't know. Like, Trayton is still, like, as, as much potential as I think Trayton has to be a good player in this league, he's still light, and he still needs to add weight. And we also, like, like they mentioned that Eric Curry, on days where he just feels he needs to rest, he rests. And and that's good and that's needed, but at the same time it makes you wonder well how many minutes are he gonna play during the year. Yeah. So I don't know that we see um, Eric and Trayton start together. But if if Jameson's at the three, I guess I don't know who else would be would be out there um as a starting as a starting group. So that's why I probably think that if battles start at the four and either they have Stevens start at the three or maybe they put, you know, Sean Sutherland, who is a really hard worker, he rebounds well and defends, and maybe he starts the game and plays, you know, like three, four minutes and then they switch and then they get Stevens out there. It's 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 tough to you know, it's something that will just they're not gonna tell anybody and nor should they tell anybody no, what they're no. gonna do with that. And, and and they maybe not even know. They have to find the right mix and the right chemistry to see what it is. But the excitement that I have with the names that we've mentioned Peyton Willis is an excellent high major defender. We've seen that. Yep. Luke Lowe, or excuse me, Luke Lowy is an honored all 10, beha- uh, all, or excuse me, I'm not sure. What, I'm not, I, I'm
0: is forgetting a league. Yeah, I, I can't remember what league they're in. If, uh, hold on.
1: Well, I forget what they. we call it an Eastern League. That's a solid Eastern League. Um, But he is an uh, honored player in that league a couple times over. Jameson Battle, very good position defender. There will be, you know, people are all worried that like he's not gonna be able to move his feet with guy A and guy B. Well, okay, you gotta if people need to understand something. That is a problem when the other four guys aren't all working together. Like that's the this team's MO is that the five guys on the floor will defensively work as a unit. When you take one or two guys out of there, then your guys who may who are good position defenders then they have to position defend a bigger space than, that, than that's available to them, and then they have a problem. Well, guess what? There's a lot of athletes out there who aren't good position defenders, and they're horrible defenders, they're, and it's worse. So, like, But unfortunately, because people just have this mindset that, oh, that guy runs really fast, he jumps quickly, he, he, we have no problems with him, but because that guy over here, guy B, just because he doesn't run quite as fast or – doesn't look as fancy jumping. He doesn't know how to move speed as well. Yeah. It's, it's 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 asinine thought process because it's 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 not how defense works. Right. In like there's very rare there's it's very rare where somebody gets stuck on an island. The only time someone gets stuck on an island is when the other guys in position defense do a poor job. And hey, if you want some samples of that. We've had eight years of samples of that. <laughs> Marcus Clark gave you one every every possession down the floor. Yeah, we got guys that played in the NBA for the Gophers that, unfortunately, didn't defend that well. You know, so that's that's the thing. Jamison Battle is a good position defender. So then, and Sean Sutherland, that's another guy who knows how to who knows how to who knows how to defend. Eric Curry. Knows how to defend. Now, Eric has had trouble behind centers, big bruising centers. And oh, by the way, the pick ten has a few of them. Yeah. So yes, that's a bit scary. That's why the team needs to defend as a core.
0: Yeah, and generally speaking, I think that there's this there's this problem with expectations around one. You know, I would largely say that. Uh, when fans look at uh, recruits, they're looking at their uh, they're they're looking more so at their offensive potential and their athletic ability, which doesn't ever. Well, rarely ever translates into how they can be as a defender. Um, you know that can that can come, but I think you're mismatching expectations when you say, "Well, they got this four-star athletic freak." Doesn't mean that he understands defensively. You know concepts. Sure, maybe he f- has the physical tools, but at the end of the day, it, it's going to be a struggle for uh, it's going to be a struggle for this individual to be able to translate. You know, with like or even better athletes than they've ever played against in a defensive scheme that requires you to be a a significant part, because if you're not a significant part, everything's going to break down. And I'm with you in that I I really like that this team will have a defensive identity um, from the get-go, and that's going to be part of their identity going forward in the Ben Johnson era.
1: It all comes down to what... like This team is most likely going to defend at a very strong level, Out of timeouts, early in games, early in halves, it all comes down to what it's, you know, can they maintain that the, as you know, after they've played, you know, seven possessions in a row, you know what I mean? That's the important thing because the, the gigantic flaw isn't, well, this guy might not be able to move with this amazing Big Ten athlete. That is not the type of thing that I, most people worry about. The thing that people are going to worry about the most is how it, it, it comes down to a physical. That's yeah. the problem. Like we got some. There, like, look at the All Big Ten team. They're all big. Yeah. Now Purdue, Jaden I, um, Jaden Ivy got uh, put on the All Big Ten, the All Big Ten for by the media, which I actually voted for Trevion Williams. But outside of that, the other guys were big. Hunter Dickinson, Mm -hmm. um, Kofi Colbert, um, who my EJ Liddell and somebody else who I'm forgetting, Uh, but it was all it was all big. So like that's the scary thing when the game when guys get tired, guys get worn down because this team is pretty much at its enters with those two injuries. This team enters the season without any room more room for an injury. Like the depth is already maxed out yeah so
0: like well even if they're healthy right even if they're even if they're healthy they're gonna be undersized right like they don't i mean yeah they were going to be undersized regardless, but the fact that, you know, they they don't have as many bodies with as many fouls, I think that's the thing that, that you worry about, right? Um, but, you know, to, yes. to that extent, you should be able to – you should be able to, if you can extend the pressure, right, that should help alleviate. And the other thing is, is you and I have talked about over the years so often um, is, you know, your ability to – you, like your ability to guard multiple positions doesn't mean that you guard them full-time all game, right? Um, because defense yep. is a team thing. You have to be able to guard a position. So, like, yeah, Trayton Thompson's going to have to play center, but there are times he may have to guard a power forward, and that's his pos- positional flexibility. And the same is true of Eric Curry, right? He'll have to g- guard power forwards but also guard centers. Um, and that's, that's yeah. going to be the challenge. was always going to be the challenge for this squad.
1: Yeah, and as as games wear on and as guys get them, post entry passes are gonna be easier. It's and it's gonna always be tougher when shots go up for guys to rotate and cover down and block out those massive dudes I just ran through. Yeah. That's where the that that's where it gets tough. Wait, you d- know, and
0: yeah, I, I agree with you. Did you see, though, did you see recently there was a there was a comment is, is boxing out a thing of the past in the NBA and, like, multiple... It was, like, multiple GMs uh, and head coaches were like, yep.
1: Yeah. Well, that's... Yes. Like, it is... In so many ways, it's comical because, like, how many guys in the NBA actually go crash the offensive boards? You know what I mean? Like, it's like... Very it's like uh, three NBA, three NBA guys indeed jump for the ball. Hopefully, the one guy that's around the basket on the offense isn't jumping for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it, it, uh, it, that's. I do like the NBA, but that's one of those things where it's just you're you don't you don't get locked in. When you're sitting in the stands, you look right. You don't look right for very long. No you're looking left real quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? It's a it's a yeah, totally different so. it's a totally different game than college and I, I have an appreciation for it more than now more than ever. Um but yeah, it's totally different. I just thought it was funny that like they, they basically like, yeah, boxing out isn't a thing in the NBA anymore. So I thought that was very you know funny.
1: Luke, you know what Luke was funny? Is like we were all taught, like remember the mother hen drill? Yeah, like throw the ball there and you'd have to like get down and get your butt on somebody and, and you have to, and you know, you're supposed to like keep your butt down. And like, nobody does that. It's like, you know, like if you had a good high school basketball coach, like he eventually told you make your hit, you know, stun your guy and then go get the basketball. You know, you turn, make a hit, go get the ball. And there are some cases where you have to make a hit and hold off a monster. But for the most part it's turn, make a hit, go get the ball. For the most part, no, no well there is no part where you sit down and you push back with your butt. Like this that's not that's not the norm. Now no, it's right. maybe that's the initial thing, so you get the feel with your with your frame if they're going right or left. But yeah, when you get to a higher level of basketball, it's turn, make a hit, go collect the basketball. So yeah, there's you the, uh, know, old school nature of the mother hand drill is not really what
0: <laughs> they do, right? So let's let's try and kind of predict who who else is going to get um, meaningful minutes. Um, I I'm going to butcher a name because that's something that I do particularly well. Um, I do think that I do think that freshman guard. Um, I'm going to go with Abdulay Theum. Is that right? How do you pronounce that, Ryan?
1: Um. Do you until not know either? I, uh, hit the, until I hit the button on the gophersports.com where it pronounces it for me. Um, and until the Gophers, like, say the name regularly, like, when I've heard them talk, they, like, shorten his name up with a, with a nickname.
0: Like, like or something? I think they
1: said, no, I think they said Lay, like, how you say at the oh, end okay, of the last sure. name. Okay. So, yeah, so, like, they're not helping us by shortening everything up when they mention him. Yeah. But he... I'll tell you what, like he has to be a part of the plan, but his minutes all depend on how he, how well he shoots the basketball. Yeah, he shot the basketball well in his, uh, he shot the ball well well in high school and in his one year in junior college. But he's young and he has things to learn defensively, so that's most likely going to be inconsistent. As yep. long as he works hard, he'll get better at that. But his minutes are going to depend on if his shooting percentages from last year translate. To the big, to the well, not just the Big Ten season. There's a non-conference season too. That's kind of crucial for this team as well. So I'll throw that in there.
0: Yeah. All right. So and then we we touched on both EJ Stevenson and Sean Sutherland, but they're going to play pretty focal points um, in in this in this rotation um, as well. Any comments on those guys? I mean, these are both guards that are you know fairly athletic dudes that are both be seniors um, and. Yeah, and both of them have shot the ball traditionally pretty well in their college careers before they came to Minnesota.
1: Stevens is a guy you kind of you. We pretty much need to talk about in the same way, in the same importance, and then the same in the same uh, a representation of time on the floor that we do Peyton Willis and Luke Lowy. Um His minutes are going to be high. Um, he's also going to be with a longer. More agile and explosive players are going through to this. That's something that's, that has surprised a lot of people. That's been talked about. He's going to be a big-minute contributor. It's just the only reason we don't mention him as a starter is because he didn't do that at Lafayette. You know, he came off the bench. Even though he was one of their main producers at all times, and at one point was an all-league all league honor player, he was still a sixth man. So that's why you mentioned that. That's why we mentioned that in that way. But, yeah, he just even, he's a guy I expect to average double figures and pay, play almost 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Sean Sutherland, he, I look at him and think Jason Stamper because now Sutherland's about 20 pounds, 30 pounds, you know, Smaller than Stamper was. Remember, Stamper was like 240 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a he was a beast. Um, but Stamper rebounded, and he was tough, and he played his role. Sutherland averaged over nine rebounds a game his last season of college basketball. He was one of the elite defensive rebounders in the entire nation. So that's why I think he's a guy that they'll plug and play. I mean, you could play him at... You know, assuming – you know he's going to play the three, but are there some small lineups he can play in because he rebounds for a Yeah. Are there you – no. Know, that, you know, that's kind of the way it, you think
0: about it. And we've talked about a lot just the evolution of basketball, right? Um, I know the Big Ten is big, but, the, you know, you, like you, you even watch in the NBA, right? They'll play full seasons – and Rudy Gobert will be the defensive MVP, and then all of a sudden you get to the playoffs. The guy can't play on the floor because of the lineups they throw out, right? And and this is somewhat yep. true of college basketball as well, where there are games where guys like you look at a Hunter Dickinson, he doesn't play because he literally, for the given game script of the game, he can't play because they they put the, you know they put him into a box where he's just un, either unable to defend or get the paces too quick or something like that. No. I'm not suggesting he's not able to play, but there might be instances where they get into this. And this is something that these college coaches have to try and figure out um, and try to get these matchups to their advantage. If they're able to force the issue,
1: which is how you would get Sean Sutherland on the floor, right? you know, in a smaller lineup and still be rock solid. I mean, he is six-five, six, five, two, five, something like that. And he rebounds excessively. Well, but again, I say Stamper because they're similarly 6'5", and they similarly play hard, and they similarly rebound well. It's just Mm -hmm. Sutherland is more of a wing because of the way he can move mobility-wise, whereas Stamper was like a tight end. He was like 240 pounds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the front court, too, and just backups. Um, you know, Charlie Daniels comes from um, um, Stephen F. Austin. He, he'll be a forward center at 6'9", 230. I imagine he'll get some run. I'm really intrigued. I don't know much about, is it Danny Ogley? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Yeah, but Ogale, Okay, so he comes from Division Two, if I remember correctly. He's a forward at six seven. I don't know much about him other than they got him late. I don't know if they expect him to be a contributor. You know, then there are other guys like um, Jackson Purcell, uh, Joey Kern. Um, you know, Will Ramberg. These are some guys I'm not really sure who's going to contribute and who's not going to contribute um, out of those out of the uh, out of that bunch.
1: Hey, Luke. Yeah. I, I, this pronunciation thing, check it out. This is how you pronounce it. Daniel Kelly, <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> that's kind of solid. I like that. <laughs> oh, he must it. He must it again apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that it, it, it's him that's saying it. So, Daniel Ogley.
0: Ogley. Okay. I got no. I got to use this tool yeah, that's he, available, so.
1: Yeah. He uh he was at Navy, so yep. he was a D1 player. Left Navy, went to Mercyhurst, and like play, played, got hurt right away. He had a massive first game. Like his numbers for his first game at Mercyhurst, which is a T2 really good school, those numbers were massive. But then he got hurt, and then he came back last year. They like they played like a small, like 12 games, and played. He's coming off a knee injury, so he played you part of those games. An average of 11 points inside of six people. But he only played, he played less than half of the game because he was, He you know, he was a year off an a in knee injury. So he's another guy who's coming off an injury. Sean Sutherland, by the way, missed all of last year. Also coming off an injury. Um, these are all guys who, they, 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 they're workers. You know, we can't beat around, we can't, like, talk about Danny without realizing like, they added him in late July and they added him because Isaiah Enin got hurt. They needed him for depth and he was a guy that was available. Now, Luke, the one thing I want to say about all these guys through the four months that the Gophers were looking for transfers, there were those transfers considered, mm-hmm. but there was they, they closed the door on a lot of them because they're not guys who culturally fit. Sure. And I know culture has been a word we talk about a lot lately, lately because of PJ and mm-hmm. Scott Frost. How is that Scott Frost culture, by the way, right now? <laughs> How's that going? I, I,
0: boy, what a, did you see today PJ on his radio show said something to the extent of, can I even say that word culture around here or something to that extent? I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> well,
1: not not apparently jim Suhayan doesn't like culture he yeah. doesn't like culture yeah he doesn't like that he doesn't like when the coach steps up to defend his team here and there now if pj comes on does this every week i got okay but the first time the guy comes out that you need to write an article like dude go back to go back to your podcast and go back to like nobody paying attention to you yeah. that was better like this was a cry it was almost like a cry for attention you know and the only people who like liked it are those people that don't like PJ Fleck you know apparently some people in life life don't need slogans. Yeah. But you know what? I don't need I never needed a slogan either. Which I, what I did enjoy was a coach who had my back. You know, and a coach that rallied the troops. Right. Loved that. Well, I'll tell you what, when the team hurt that, I'll bet you everybody rallied. Because and there you go. So back to the culture of the basketball, Luke. The reason I brought this up. There were other transfers out there that were discussed and dismissed because they weren't considered to be the right type of worker, Mm
2: -hmm. the right
1: type of community type of kid. And this goes to the walk-on. Like Joey Kern, the biggest reason they wanted Joey Kern is because that kid is the right culture fit. Danny... Uh, well, hold on, hold on. we gotta, we gotta try this again. You sure gonna that's...
0: try play it again?
1: Yeah, I got it. I already, you know, I it gotta. It. He yeah. he's from Chicago, Illinois too. Daniel O'Kelly, o- o- like, he's a culture fit, and that was what was crucial to what they were looking for as players to be on the roster. Now, I don't know how productive he'll be, but I think when he gets in that game you can expect an Andre Ingram style worker Mm -hmm. and that's what they want.
0: Yeah. So it'll be really interesting. It's obviously a new lineup. This is a group that hasn't been projected to be particularly good, but you know, they've literally hit, hit the reset. I don't, I mean, anytime you bring in a new staff, um, and we probably should touch quickly on the, on the new staff. Right. Um, like there is going to be turnover, and you should expect some sort of regression. But we're already seeing some of the fruits of their labor on the recruiting trail that they've been able to hit on. Um, but you know, obviously, Ben Johnson, the new head coach, Dave Thorson, uh, Jason Kemp, and Marcus Jenkins. Like this is this is a staff that I'm personally excited about. I know a lot of people locally are excited about uh, because of Dave Thorson and you know the recognition of him and the and the reputation he has around these parts. Um, but maybe just speak to this staff because I. I I was really excited about the Jason Kemp hire. I thought that was knocked it out of the park. And I'm pretty excited also about the Marcus Jenkins hire.
1: When it comes down to all these guys that were brought in, there's two things. Um, They're hardworking culture fit types and they're guys that want to be here. Let me emphasize that again. They are guys that want to be here. Over the last 20 years, there have been a lot of coaches that did not want to be in Minnesota. Flat out. Did not want to be here. <laughs> I would say there was a head coach or two yeah. that probably did not want to be here. Probably will never come back. It's kind of like me in teaching. I'm probably not going to sign a contract to be a, a, a full time teacher ever again. I ain't coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Like, not, sorry, educators out there, but it's, it's been a long 18 years of special ed. Um, these guys. Like, they want to be here. Dave Sorsen, now he's originally from Fargo, but he came down to college. Um, he came to Minnesota, went to play to Hamlin. Then he was a gopher, D-less, then to De La He's a Minnesota guy. He wants to be here. Jason Kemp is from Wisconsin. He loves the Packers. So anybody that sees Jason Kemp, give him a smile, give, shake his hand, and tell him the Packers suck. And then after that, you can like him again. But Jason Kemp... High character, hard-working dude, great coach, wants to be here. Marcus Jenkins. Again, first of all, this guy was in the military, and he's highly, highly respected as a human being. And his wife is from Eden Prairie. So, again, the guy that moved, who wants to be here? These are people that want to be here. They look at the University of Minnesota job as a great opportunity, and they want to be here. Ben Johnson goes without saying, wants to be here. These guys are in it. And they want to be here and they want to work hard for this program. That is that right there is so far ahead of some of the other names that we've had here in the past. Yeah, They want to be here. And they're, they're, they're and the culture fit is right. And I'm going to say this about Dave Thorsten. <laughs> People, when a college coach gets a job at the college level, they don't take a test like that you it's sat in a room and say, okay, what's this defense? What would you do here? What is this offense here? What play would you call here? They don't take tests. Like, these coaching positions, a lot of them are connections and guys that people are comfortable with. That doesn't always mean the there's coaches on staffs that are good coaches. I could think of a coach that I was a manager for and no, I will never tell anybody the name because he was a good person. This guy couldn't have coached me to shoot a right handed look, yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, he was that bad. He was there to brought in players. That has conspired, that happens at times, sadly. Dave Carson, you have that man on your staff. That is an ace in your pocket, or whatever they say. What is it? What is the thing? By the way, I'm no good at saying. I gotta go to the viewer uh, uh, the, Ryan J uh, Ryan Burns, go for Gridiron podcast. Uh, <laughs> Like book of book of statements book of compare whatever it is, um, what is it? Luke Ace in the hole?
0: No, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's is Ace right? in
1: the hole. Yeah. Well, very few people have an assistant like Dave Carson. think just the energy, the the knowledge, the ability to get guys to compete as a unit, the ability to get guys to come to a, bring come to practice every day and fight. That's Dave Thorson, and that's
0: a major ace in the hole. Yeah. All right. So let's chat a little bit about just recruiting in general. Um, you know, I I think that they're off to a pretty good start in year one. Um, you know, year one can be a challenging year to recruit because, as you know, it's all about building. It's all about building those relationships. Um, but they've been able to add local people, which is going to make a lot of people happy. Um, and yeah, th- these are all these are all. Basically, high major talents. I think you. I think you've been on the record saying that most of them are going to be top 150 guys, probably, right? Um, I, I, what list do you use now? Do you use the Prep Hoops list or do you use the 247 list when you when you cite like the top 150 or whatever players in the country?
1: To be honest, Luke, I, I use both okay. because I think when it comes to the list they put out, it's so far. It, there's, some, there's a lot more research and effort put into them. There's so much more effort and research put into them compared to the other ones that I, that I use both. And usually they're somewhat relative. Like, for example, Feral um, Payne is a top 100 guy. He's a four-star player. Between 80 and top 100, that's how good he is. That's an awesome, awesome get for this program. It's a massive get. Now, the cynics of the world Will look at that and be like, "Oh, he didn't have this offer. He didn't have that offer. They don't understand the situation. They don't under like this is the state of Minnesota. this is one of the best years for bigs we've ever seen. But unfortunately, because so many teams are going to two or three bigs total and relying on future transfers that the big man doesn't have the options he once did. And there's yeah. two other things as for. One, he, when he emerged in a, in, a, in a national way, there was only three weeks for college coaches to come see him. And by the time they did get going to see him, I can name—I'll tell you some schools here: Purdue, Illinois, um, with Texas A&M, Clemson. I'm thinking of one more. It's escaping me. Uh, it was an SEC school. It might have been Ole Miss. These teams watched him play, did a little research. Found out that he had an early Minnesota offer. Found out that he probably wasn't going to honor, and they went in other guys. You know? and that so you have to look at his ranking from the people that watched him and that you trust over the offer list right now. When it comes to Bates, somewhat same as same as the point guards too. Look at Trey Holloman, for example. When he made his decision, really the only teams that were putting a full blown effort. Were Minnesota, Marquette, Michigan, and two, and right behind them was somewhat Illinois, but they kind of moved quick to another guy when they learned that they weren't getting him, and somewhat Oklahoma State. You know what I mean? Trey Holliman, in my opinion, is a top 50-60 player in America. Yeah, but because you can only have so many point guards, you know, he didn't have the tons of teams that you like, didn't have the amount of teams that you would see off uh, versus you know a guy who is like, a you know, because there's two or three spots he can play. Same thing goes for El pain. So that's why you have to look at it as a ranking and trust the people that know versus looking at an offer list.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So obviously for all pain is probably one of the headlines right now. Um, I think it's Braden Carrington. He was the first to commit. Uh, he's at a park center, a guard at six three. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think most Minnesotans are pretty excited about. Um, you know, getting that, getting that shooter, getting that score, getting that guard. Uh, what what should they expect? You know, maybe defensively from him.
1: You know, that's that's a great question. I kind of put it. It's a similar situation to Gabe Kalscher because sure. when Gabe was at De La Salle, he was playing. With like three six foot six foot one like dudes that are deep in stance just ready to fight guys defensively because of they were so many elite defenders around him Gabe wasn't always on that top other guy and you didn't know that he was the defender he was until we saw it in his freshman year well but he he was well coached in high school and therefore he knew what to do and he was a willing worker i say the same thing for brayden carrington because Braden. You will take the court this year with Leo Torbor, who I shouldn't say this yet. So he he's committed to a Mountain West goal. It will be announced shortly. So he's playing with Leo, who is a Mountain West player, who's a all like top two or three defender in the state. And a you, Ayuba Berthy. Like A Yuba Bertie's the dude that you that you put on the best player in the state and you see what he can do. Like a Yuba is also a top 2-3 defender in the state. So because Brayden plays with two scholarship elite defenders, we probably won't get to see... Because like, he's going to be hurting, He's going be the best three defenders in the state on his team. Yeah, And he's the team's best offensive player. So therefore, he's not going to draw... He'll draw the third-best backcourt player. So we probably won't see his full defensive potential until we see... um we see him at go for uniform now that doesn't mean you can't watch it and say "Oh, i did that pretty good it's just you know when they play the park center plays i don't know when they play you know creedner hall for example leo torver is on T- trey Holloman, yeah. and when they play white bear lake a is going to be on jack to for example mm-hmm. so
0: all right let's touch quickly on um josh uh, josh ola joseph um he transferred out to a, a out to a prep school for this year, but he's out of Osseo. Um, and this is a, like a small forward, maybe slash power forward at 6'6", 200 pounds.
1: Yeah, Josh made a name for himself by being a complete worker all summer. He was the most productive player for D1 Minnesota this year. He's 6'6", 200 pounds. This is a player who thinks very highly of his own potential. He's extremely confident in himself. And he is a self-motivated guy who will create any type of motivation and go at you. If you're a Gopher fan, you love that. Because this is a motivated dude. He's not an osteo right now because he wanted to go somewhere where he can work on his game during the school day. At 11 o'clock, instead of sitting in, you know, study hall, this dude's good shots up. At 12.30, he's in nutrition class instead of taking a science class, learning about, the 17 different types of things that they're in and out of, you know, like, like he's doing things that a prep school that help towards his graduation, but also help towards his basketball career, you know, so that's, and he wanted to play against some new talent. So that's why he's out there. He's going to come back here hoping to have improved his jumper, which I think is more solid than people know, but he's also going to be playing with prolific prep. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that can rebound, he's a guy that can defend, he can really defend. What's great about Josh is you can have him play this guard of three defensively and then have like a Jamison battle, guard the four, but
2: yeah. then come
1: back the other way with Josh on one hand, Jamison on the other. They can do different things and you don't have to call one the three or one the four because they're both kind of... Good side. One's a great athlete. One's a great skill guy. The other has good skill. The other has is good athletically, and they work together.
0: Yeah. So it should be it should be interesting to see once we get these recruits in. Obviously, we'll we'll talk more uh, through the 2021- 2022 season as as that gets closer. Maybe we'll even try and do some sort of prediction episode. Uh, but it's fun to go through the roster, Ryan, with you. Um, any parting thoughts before we uh, w- before we end this or wrap this up?
1: I would say, like people want to say, well, what are we going to see this season? Because they've seen so much harsh criticism and then they saw the injuries. I would say this, this team will surprise you if A, they avoid another injury and B, if the chemistry and hard work that, has, we, that is expected, if those things come together, they will surprise you. And I say that because there's some teams in the Big Ten that I don't think are gonna be that great and because I don't think they're that talented. And then they also are gonna be younger. It probably won't play the same level of team basketball.
0: Yeah, and it's a good reminder that um, it, it, that you know the you look at mid-major schools that have been able to compete, you know, with with uh, with high-major schools, especially in in the Big Dance, um, in the NCAA tournament, in large part because of you know having played a lot more basketball, having bought in and grown as basketball players into the team concept and being able to move the basketball. There are times that uh, there are times that culture out. Uh, Outmaneuver skill, as one uh, PJ Fleck has said, and we have referred to numerous times on this podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, just to close up, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to do this more now that Ryan has uh, some more time during his uh, during his day and uh, maybe some availability. So Ryan, if you'll take my phone calls, we'll record them.
1: Yeah, that is true. I always blame this on Luke, but I had I had Luke <laughs> on ignore because I was like he keeps he keeps like trying to say that well, the Wilmer Cardinals are better than the Austin Packers and it's just like, dude, I put him on a I put Luke on a four-month ignore for that ridiculousness uh,
0: Okay, well, thanks for listening everybody, and go go please.